Hey folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Uh, I had to, I don't yell very much, but two days ago I had to yell at them. I'm sorry, yesterday. Good. Yeah, I did. I had to yell. And... Since I don't yell much, when I do yell... It's every... impactful? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my seniors know that when I'm getting angry, like when I'm when I'm reaching that boiling point, they can all tell. And I see them looking at each other, shifty eyes, like... <laughs> like, like they're talking to each other without saying anything. And so my seniors and my freshmen are together. It's a combined class. So I've got my seniors who have been with me for four years and then my freshmen who have not been with me, you know, even two marking periods yet. Yeah. So they don't know my tics and my mannerisms and my frustrations nearly to the degree that my seniors do. So they can just tell when I'm getting frustrated. And also they're freshmen. So they're much more like a child. Not that they're kids, but they're like 14 years old. Well, so much development happens in, in that yeah. for for them in four years. That's that's most that's a quarter of their life. Yeah. So the seniors and I chatted afterwards because I, I had to snap. And usually I just yell very quickly and briefly to get everybody's attention. And then I very sternly tell them that they need to be quiet and need to get to work. Um, and then they're all very very quiet for the rest of the class yeah and the, the um the students the seniors later said henderson i don't think that i would like to see you angry legitimately towards us because if one of the girls said if you were to yell like that but like that was you your demeanor and you were that angry we would all cry <laughs> <laughs> that's just funny to me that is well and also you were you have a bunch of artist kids yeah so i mean i bet you if you were teaching like the welding or like the auto mechanic kids they'd probably be like eh. sure they, they probably wouldn't be as affected by it yeah for sure yeah i definitely have um more of the wallflower type for sure yeah, yeah. in my classroom though they're out of control but once they leave my classroom, they're back to being quiet. Yeah. Well, but, and that's cool, though. That's yeah. a safe place for them. That's exactly. Awesome. Yeah. And that, that's what I want the class to be. Like, they feel comfortable in there to be more themselves. Yeah. Um, which is which is the way to go. You know, I also... So, this was probably like... Okay, it was pre-COVID, I believe. So, it would have been probably like the summer of 2019. Mm -hmm. And I have many nieces and nephews. Um, but we... We're at a family get-together for 4th of July at the lake. Um, this is down in Virginia. I think it's like Smith Mountain Lake or something. Unimportant. And it's it's a nice, it's like a lake with a beach. And then it has like a little dock you can swim out to. It's just fun places where we go for 4th of July most years. Do like a big family get-together. So I was down in the water with just a couple of my nephews. I'm always, It's always like... Their parents, you know, my brother and my brother and sisters, um, they have their kids there and they're older than me and they just kind of want to chill out. And also they see these kids all the damn time. Sure. So they're like, <laughs> yeah, Thor, you go ahead, take them down to the water. And so we're in, we're playing around in the water. We're splashing around and stuff. And the thing is, all the kids are at that time, probably between like six and 10. Okay. And they're all cousins and they all see, see each other all the time. So they fight, they argue, they do the normal kid stuff. And I forget exactly what was going on, but they were like splashing each other and like trying to dunk each other. And it was fun. And then it stopped being fun and they started like legitimately fighting. And I'm like, yeah. and somebody got their feelings hurt. 
And then, you know, like two of them are picking on the other one. And I'm like, guys, you got to chill out. Because there's people all around. Yeah. And I'm like, you're making us look like. So it's not like, just you guys at the lake. It's like yeah, a place. Yeah, it's that... a bunch of people. It's okay. the fourth. It's filled with people. Okay. And they start like fighting like too much where it's getting like people are looking. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, guys, you got to chill out. You're making me look bad. Now. <laughs> I'm like, guys, you got to relax. And then like I've worked primarily as a manager for most, you know, most of my career as an adult. Yeah. So I can flip that switch real quick. <laughs> like if I need to, like, yeah. like I'll, I'll give you warnings and I'm cool and I'm cool and I'm cool. And then like, if you don't respond to me being cool, then you just get the other side. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's an unfortunate coin flip. <laughs> yeah. So, and like, they had never seen that side. Cause I'm fun. Uncle Thor. Sure. You know, I, I ride skateboards with them and I'll, yeah. you know, I play with them and we laugh and joke and I teach them naughty things that they shouldn't say. That's my job as an uncle. Right. So I had to flip that switch where I was, Hey, what are you doing? And I, and just start, and like, I was like, knock it off right now or we're going back. And like, I mean, I got like real intense because yeah. I kind of, I kind of forgot like in that moment, I forgot. Oh, I'm the uncle. I'm just like, oh, I'm responsible for these kids. Yep. And I went into like manager mode. Yep. And just <laughs> their faces were like, <gasps> like wide eyed. And I literally, I saw the breath leave their chest as they were like, oh my god, those poor kids. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I think I, I think I legitimately scared them because even looking back on it, I had to be like. I had to tell her parent, like, I I overreacted a little bit. Because, I, <laughs> I mean, like, because you can flip that switch on an adult or, like, a sure. or a teenager who's 17, 18. Yeah. You can flip that switch and not feel as bad. But these are, like, seven-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was like, I feel like I'm drowning. I'd lost control of the situation. Yeah. I was like, they don't respect me now. So I was like, they're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I completely understand that exact feeling. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, yeah kids. Um, you ready to get in some reggae rock? <laughs> reggae I'm rocking. So ready to get into some reggae rock. Some oh. reggae sublime. Yep. Let's, let's jump in. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm of course your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today, as always, by my friend, and co-host he's got a dalmatian he can still get high he can play the guitar like a rubber duck and riot it's micah was that was that a sublime reference yeah that's from uh, the popular one what i got uh, <laughs> cool this one was super easy i was like oh yeah. no brainer yeah absolutely <laughs> Uh, it's bad that I didn't get it. Although that wasn't on the list, right? That no, wasn't, that's yeah. No, that's the popular song that's just overplayed. And sure, their biggest hit. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, um, yeah. Things are well, man. Things are well. Um, I got to listen to Sublime all week, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so things are great. Oh uh, yeah, so let's get, so you didn't just listen to Sublime. You listened to the most unique of their offerings. Okay. Uh, I mean truly, I think it's uh, I don't know if it was the right recommendation, and I would like to point out um to you folks, I also gave Micah like an extra credit list of um cuz Robin the Hood is a DIY album. It was recorded on a four-track recorder in multiple living rooms across Southern California is essentially the story of it. And once I gave you the album, I was listening to it, and I was like, the goal of this was, I don't think you're going to be a Sublime fan after this, but <laughs> I feel like Sublime has a bad rep, and a lot of people write them off, and they've only heard one or two of the popular songs, okay. which I don't think 
encapsulates what their music is or who they are in any way. Like that that's not a good representation of them? Exactly, yeah. Because I think they're, honestly, their worst songs are the popular ones. Like Santeria, What I Got, and Wrong Way. Those are the ones you'll hear on the radio, the ones that get played to death. Yeah. And I think those are some of their worst songs. And I don't think they accurately represent them. So I gave Mike an extra credit list. And I'll leave a link to that. You know, if you did listen to Robin the Hood and and you are still curious about listening to that, the, the extra credit list was stuff that I think is a better representation of what they can do when they have a professional polished environment mm-hmm. and kind of shows off some of their skills and see if that maybe tipped the scales one way or the other. Yeah, I so I did get to listen to that, too. Uh, and I think that I listened to all of it. But I listened to it on my phone, and I don't pay for Spotify, so it was all random. Yeah, but well, I, and that's fine. That one wasn't in any particular okay. order. Um, but I started hearing repeats on that. I'm like, okay, I think I listened to all of it. And ultimately, I'm glad that I did. Okay. Because it, it did give me a very different vibe than what Robin the Hood gave me. <laughs> yeah, Robin? It, it, a much different vibe. Well, and so after I recommended it that next day at work, I was like, I haven't listened to this in a while. Let me give it a listen. And as I was listening, I was like, oh, this may have been a mistake. <laughs> I, I was like, because I'll be the first one to admit, it can be a challenging listen. Yeah. I, I think it's a challenging uh, work of art, right? I really do, in that this isn't something that's going to be for everybody. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not for everybody. Yeah. Well, let's get, well, let's see. Let's find out if it's for Micah. Yeah. Micah, what are your first impressions on Sublime's? Robin the Hood. You know, this was an interesting experience for me. Coming into this, I have got a not a low opinion of Sublime, but I definitely don't care for the songs that are on the radio, but that's all I know sure. about Sublime. So so I did come into it trying to be open-minded about it. So this album showed me a couple of things. One, which I actually really appreciated, is that music can be appreciated in different ways by different people. And this, <laughs> okay. this album showed me, because the way that I listen to music and the way that I like music and the way that um, I choose to experience the music that I interact with is probably pretty standard. Um, I would argue that it's pretty deep, but as far as the way that I like, music means a lot to me and I can have pretty emotional responses to it. But the I think that what these guys were doing was something completely different. Like, like this, this sounds, it sounded like somebody butt dialed me (laughs) (laughs) and and just didn't realize it. And it's in the middle of a living room or a campfire or something like that. And it's just a bunch of guys goofing off. And one of them is playing and not singing particularly well. That's what the vibes that it gave to me. And at that point, I realized it, it, at least it seemed more experimental to me. And like the the process of what they were doing is how they were experiencing the music that they were making. And that it didn't seem like it was necessarily something that was intended to be catchy. It wasn't intended to be radio friendly, obviously. I, I think that them doing what they were doing was their intended experience. Not It was more for them than for the outside world at least that's how it felt yeah no i think you hit the nail on the head the reason i picked this album as Mm -hmm. opposed to this is the second of their albums their first album uh, is an album called 40 ounces to freedom okay um and that one was fully produced in a recording studio and then their third album which is their self-titled album that's their first major label release that has all the major hits on it but this one is the album that I truly feel represents their music and their scene. Okay. Um, because Sublime was, they're very interesting. They honestly kind of are a DIY band. In they started in their early 90s in Southern California, and they didn't really fit into the punk scene. They didn't really fit into the ska scene. They didn't really fit into the reggae scene. And so most of the bars, they started playing bars and backyard parties and stuff like that. Yeah. And a lot of the shows that they were first getting, like, 
they wouldn't have them back or they wouldn't let because people didn't like their style they're like are you reggae or are you a fucking thrash metal punk band (laughs) right we don't know they didn't really fit in anywhere they created their own record label called skunk records okay and they did that specifically so when they would call places to play they'd be like yeah we're newly on skunk records Mm. people didn't realize that skunk records was a record company that they created so that they could go play for people they really were a live touring band Hmm. in southern california and i've seen document a documentary on them and uh a lot of live i've heard live recordings and the documentary had a lot of videos and you'll see interviews with people where they're like a sublime show was like a party you had punk rockers there and you had reggae guys there and black people and mexicans and white people and it was just this weird amalgam and eclectic group of people that came to see them because their for their whole ethos is let's fucking party and have a good time <laughs> that's what the music is yeah and so I feel like this album is exactly that. Yeah, um, I could definitely get that from it. The album really clarified that music experience thought process. Uh, it also clarified for me. Skits are still stupid. They're dumb. <laughs> They're so dumb. I don't know who the fake little uh, reverend was in this. Oh, you mean the old man? The Raleigh guy? Raleigh Theodore Sakers. Yeah. What the? Ooh, what, let's what is, talk what about Raleigh. What's up with that? Okay. So, and in the one song, uh, it's towards the end, and that's the one where it's literally just... It's two dudes arguing. Well, it's it's just guys talking at a party, where they're like, do you like reggae? Oh, reggae. Yeah, there is that. And, and that one's literally just a party. And okay. they kind of make... So, growing up, listening to this album, all I had to go off of was... There's this one small snippet of conversation in in that song yeah. where one of the guys says, because it's basically the members of Sublime at a party with some other people, and they're literally just talking. They recorded a conversation they had, yeah. put it to music. Yeah, that's what um, it sounded like, because the people were like, well, what kind of music do you do? And they're like, reggae, Yeah, and that rock. song is called yeah. I Don't Care Much. I Don't Care Too Much for yeah, Reggae. Because the lady was like, I don't care too much for reggae. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right afterwards. <laughs> Um, and they say, and they're talking about, they're like, oh yeah, there's, he's this guy. Uh, he lives in like a mental institution. It's, I don't think it really works. Cause he's still kind of crazy. And I assumed they were talking about Raleigh, mm-hmm. Raleigh, Theodore Sakers. So one of the members of the band worked at this, you know, mental institution. Okay. And they met this old crazy ass guy named Raleigh. Okay. And they took a tape recorder in and just hit record and let it record for like two hours. I and love that. all of that shit. And they were like, and all that stuff about it being part of a science fiction magazine, he yeah. created that. He was just talking and just decided that what they were doing was making a science fiction magazine. He, he is a full on <laughs> schizophrenic. Oh my gosh. That they are recordings of a schizophrenic, and they just thought it was funny. They're yeah. like, "This guy is nuts." So I did some research into this today. Okay, because I didn't know any of that for sure. Yeah, and yeah, that is the case. So this guy wasn't a and, member of the band or anything like that. And I will leave a link to. It is a thirty-minute-long full recording of all of that, and all the pieces that you see. There's three Raleigh soliloquies. Yeah. Which I hate that word. Soliloquy. Soliloquy. Yeah. Don't like it. Too hard to say. <laughs> Too many L's. Too many L's. Yeah. But I'll put a link to that as well. There's, I listened to about eight minutes and I couldn't take anymore. It, it's just, he's just genuinely nuts. It's fucking wild That's... of him just essentially talking to himself for 30 <laughs> minutes. So, so okay. not really a skit. That's, yeah, that's I mean, not... kind of a skit. But, but yeah, not really. Not not with that story not behind intended it. intended to be. Yeah, no, okay. it's just some insane guy they met, some schizophrenic. They recorded him and were like, this is fucking nuts. So what about the part where, because I think the last soliloquy that was in, somebody from the institution came in and they, they started arguing. Yeah, like, that's all real. Are you serious? yeah dude that part is so funny and honestly that part's kind of sad too because yeah you hear here's this guy he's already in a mental facility 
and he's just going off and he's kind of worked up. You know, he's honest. He thinks he's making a science fiction magazine. Yeah. And this guy comes in. He's like, Raleigh, you got to quiet it down. And he immediately just goes <laughs> off on him. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you ain't no star. Get the fuck out of here. You're trying to be on my thing. And the guy is like, Raleigh, what are you going to do? I'm in your room, Raleigh. You old, you little wimp. And this guy's essentially picking on this old schizophrenic guy. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of messed up, but you can tell also the guy on the other end. Mm hmm is kind of like he's seen this every day probably he's probably just sick of it yeah but yeah raleigh calls the police at one point and he has the, <laughs> my favorite line in the whole thing he's like you better come get this guy because he thinks he's big but he's nothing but a big pile of shit and i'm gonna splatter him all over the fucking wall did you get all that good now send them police over thanks <laughs> Yeah, that's all real. Oh my gosh. That makes that so much more interesting to me. Yeah, dude, I'll send you the link for the thing. Yeah. I mean, I'd be curious to listen to that. I don't know how far I'll make it, but No, I said I made like 8 minutes into it and I was like, I don't think I could listen to all of this. But I mean, it seemed At least not at once. Yeah, I couldn't tell what was happening at first when he was talking in the very first one. He starts talking and I'm like, I don't get what this is about at all. And then he starts talking. Yeah, talk he's talking about getting a dowry from some girl to come out and suck <laughs> yeah. his dick. Yeah, and and it's it's almost... Then he starts talking about... Um, it seemed like he was talking from the viewpoint of a pastor or a reverend and like the theological perspective that he had. And it was very strange. Yeah, he was making a science fiction novel, I guess. Yeah, it, his... it was very strange. Yeah, very strange. Fully schizophrenic. So that's... The story behind that. Okay. Behind Raleigh. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Um, yeah. That that kind of goes into my, my general thoughts of... I didn't feel like this was a very cohesive piece of work. I felt like some... And maybe that's because they jump around genre-wise, but I don't really think that that's the case. I think some of it just felt unfinished. Some of it, I felt like they finished, they cut the track before a song technically ended a couple of times, or at least it felt that way. Yeah. It's very interestingly, uh, I would definitely categorize this as experimental because yeah. keep in mind also, this is 1993. I was going to say it sounds this. early nineties. A lot of this sounds like something that me and my friends would make using garage band. Oh my gosh. In I the was early thinking 2000s. the exact same thing. But keep these guys were doing this with an, a four-track tape recorder. Yeah, in yeah. the in the nineties, so it's kind of ahead of its time, honestly. So it feels because we grew up with people making stuff probably similar to this. Yeah, they were looping dubs and stuff. A lot of this is um, dub music where yeah. they're just looping a dub and then adding bits and pieces to it and using like a synthesizer to add stuff, but. At that point in time, that type of shit didn't really exist. Yeah, okay. I mean, probably did to an extent, but for its time, it's actually, it's it's off the wall that they kind of started doing stuff like this. And when in 10 years <clears throat> later, kids in high schools all across America would be doing similar things to this. So, yeah, so I guess... With that, I, I kept listening to it and thinking, what is the goal of this album? Like, Because I don't think it was to produce an album. I, I feel like, yeah. I don't know, and maybe that's just because, like, literally Patrick and I, Patrick, who made our intro music. Yeah. Um, Did we ever thank him on the show for that? I don't know if we did. You did an awesome job, Patrick. If we didn't, I know that I told you that personally, but if we didn't put that, Patrick Hooker made the intro music. And it's very good. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but when when he and I would get together, that's exactly what we would do. We would, like I would take the computer, I'd go into the bathroom, and I would play a tune, I'd sing a, a lyric, and then I'd leave, I'd give Patrick the computer, he'd go in and add to it. And then he would leave, and I'd go in and add to it. That's very cool. Yeah, and we would just kind of build things. And I don't know if it was any good... But the stuff that I listened to on this Sublime album gave me those vibes a lot. Yeah, it feels a lot like it. That's why I said this one is the one I love this album the most of, of their... Because they released three albums, 
And then once the lead singer died, um, there was a number of albums of like uh, kind of songs that weren't finished or songs that never got released, uh, an acoustic album and a live album. But for the three that they released, this one is my favorite because hmm. it feels it feels personal. It's a little piece of history. And once again, so they released their first album in like 1992. Yeah. And that was kind of on not like a major label, but it was an actual label, uh, Gasoline Alley, which I'm thinking is kind of like a punk. Is it's that the like name? a ska punk album. Is or, Gas? Is that the name of the album? The record label. I'm Th- sorry. Yeah. That's the name of the record label? Yeah, which I think was like probably like a ska punk record label. Okay. So... But they weren't really having a ton of mainstream success. They got played on the radio in like California a little bit. And there's a lot of good good tracks on that album. But they started realizing like, hey, we're a touring band. And they had a huge following all across really California. <laughs> it was very grassroots. So this album was really for their fans. It didn't really get sold in record shops. They, these were tape cassettes that they brought around with them and sold at shows. Huh. So this music really, it's not intended for mass appeal. It, yeah, it it's doesn't. It's for their fans. It is very personal. It seems like a behind the scenes of the band. Yeah. that That's kind of how it feels like to me. I think ultimately that for me was a downfall. I didn't feel like what I was listening to was intended to be listened to in public. Folks, if you hear a little bit of banging and some light bells, that's because Micah's kid is playing with like some kind of uh, xylophone type toy. (laughs) (laughs) We had to stop and like, I just heard ringing like dings. Um, So it doesn't, it didn't feel like something that was intended to be listened to on a mass. (laughs) That's just like something intended to be listened to. That's, that's it. Right. Well, here, tell me if you agree with this. In 2018, Pitchfork Magazine reviewed Sublime's debut album, 40 Ounces to Freedom, and kind of the legacy it left behind. Um, They also made a brief kind of mention of this album, Robin the Hood. And the quote from the person who wrote that article, It was so haphazard and caustic, the only the most devoted fan could tolerate any significant time with this album it was recorded in a crack house, and it sounds like it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Is that kind of where you're coming from? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Nail on the head right there, <laughs> dude. Um, yeah, I think that that's the main thing that I didn't like about it. Uh, the second thing that I really didn't care for about it was that it was Sublime. Because it showed me a different side of Sublime. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that side either. Okay, that's fa- and that's fair. Yeah. Um, however... Going back to experiencing music in different ways, I did find that the tracks where they were just kind of low-key jamming and just kind of chill vibing and playing music and not singing, I enjoyed those quite a bit. Okay. I have one of those on this list we can talk about. Um, Also, one of the really interesting things about this Mm -hmm. is there is also a lot of riffs and songs that ended up were either kind of takes on songs from their album before or were them working on songs that would appear on their next album. So the one song is called Lincoln Highway Dub. That I wrote that as one of the one of my favorites out of the whole thing. That is essentially an instrumental version of their second biggest hit that came out on the following album, Santeria. That is the song Santeria. So I heard the loop on that and I'm like, "Oh, that sounds like I don't know the names of Sublime songs, but I was like, that sounds like a song that they have. Yeah, that's one of the that's big interesting. Ones. Okay, that was kind of them working that song. Sure. I that's my assumption. I don't know for sure. Maybe yeah. the song was totally written, but yeah, that's kind of cool. I, I honestly that that's something that I would put on the songs where they aren't singing for the most part. I would put on in the background. Or even even a lot of this album, I would probably put on in the background. It's good music to not listen to. <laughs> um, let's take a step away from this album, talk a little bit about that extra credit stuff. Sure. Did you hate all his singing in that as well? No. No, I thought that that was better. Yeah, he's an actually very talented singer. Yeah, I thought that that was better. Um, I think that I liked it more because it felt 
more polished yeah than what robin the hood was and i could appreciate kind of i could appreciate the rawness and i could appreciate the attempt but i think i could appre- i think that i can appreciate it i don't know maybe i can't appreciate it maybe i I don't know, Thor. This was such a confusing thing to listen to. I didn't know what was happening like halfway through it. I wish that I could give you a nice Dude, cohesive yeah. analogy of, of what I thought about it. I don't have a single thought no. process on well, this. Well, and I think there are... One of the interesting things about this is this is an album of moments of like, I hate this or this is kind of cool. I, I think it's a hodgepodge. One of the things I think it also kind of helps why I think it's so representative of them mm-hmm. is the fact that it kind of switches back and forth because they have such an eclectic style. They aren't just a ska band. You know, like, Certainly they're not. a punk yeah. band. They're a reggae band. They're a hip hop band. They're a blues band. They, they have so many different influences and you see all of them on display in this album. I don't think it's effectively done sometimes. I think it switches back so much that, like you said, your head is kind of left spinning yeah. at the different styles of music. Yeah, so the the extra credit stuff that you gave me, songs that jumped out were, were the song Eben, I thought was pretty interesting. And I also, I think that I liked, I did not like Pawn Shop. It's I was t- not a fan. I actually regretted that after I put that one on there. <laughs> Once I sent you the list, yeah. I was like, eh, that one's kind of, it's too repetitive. I be- and I and it's too reggae-ish. I was like, I bet you he's yeah. not going to like that one. That, I get that. That one jumped out to me as one that I was not too big of a fan of. But I did, I do think that I care. I liked Same in the End, actually. Um, That's one of my favorites. That's the first one I listened to. And I was like, shit, I should send him a second. Because yeah. I was like, he won't get to hear how good this stuff is if he just listens to Robin the Hood. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there were definitely same in the end, Eben, those were, and even this one is on Robin the Hood, but the greatest hits song is, is pretty good as well. I actually didn't mind that one. Okay. Um, the date rape song is pretty abrasive. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one's a comedy song, honestly. Yeah. I, I was, um, I remember, out loud going oh my gosh when <laughs> they just start singing about the guy taking it up the butt yeah <laughs> like okay <laughs> so yeah I, that's that song's funny because you feel like that has to be in some way based on a true story of right. like some guy who got busted for like raping girls and they're like fuck that guy let's write a song about this fucking piece of crap yeah Yeah. (laughs) so that was honestly that's their kind of their like first hit oh really in the california like the california radio scene okay it was it never really saw like national success but that's kind of one of their signature songs okay um the i forget i can't see the rest of the title but we're only gonna die for our uh whatever the for our yeah, yeah and that song is actually a cover of a punk band called the descendants i believe it's a descendant song but okay. that's a that one's a full-on cover of a of a mm. uh of a punk band okay well yeah i'm glad that you sent me that because that stuff i could appreciate more um even though that stuff is still not necessarily my cup of tea mm-hmm. i can i can see why people like that they it, that stuff seemed like the sillier side of the offspring for, for some of it. Um, yeah. I'm sure other things and probably sublime fans are going to hate that. I said that maybe, I don't know. I don't know where, where their Venn diagram sits too, with the offspring crew. No, they're too busy stoned watching cartoons <laughs> <laughs> to get up off their ass. And turn. <laughs> That's right. Look, I love sublime. I, I have for a long time. I think, uh, musically they're incredible the bass is always awesome yeah bass is pretty solid and bradley noel the vocalist guitar player he's an incredible singer i think he's a very funny songwriter and he can fucking jam on the guitar yeah his guitar skills are no joke i think they don't get enough credit for that stuff but at the same time some sublime fans are kind of the worst (laughs) and (laughs) and also if you're not into punk 
mm-hmm. or or ska or reggae they do have other things but that's primarily what they're doing so if that's not your your bag you're just not going to be into it yeah none of that really is my bag i've listened to so like if it has a touch of reggae i can enjoy it mm-hmm. there's a metal reggae band called skindred oh I've, i remember that yeah they were kind of cool i couldn't listen to them for very long but like they had some cool things even um pod had an album that was kind of reggae-ish and some of their tunes are reggae-ish as well yeah for sure so like i can enjoy that if it's got a touch but if it's full on it's just not not for me yeah it's not so, for everyone. so something about the uh the robin the hood album why did they have like three or four different versions of the same song on that album well they have two of one song specifically I can't remember the name of it. Um, pool Shark. Yes, Pool Shark. They have uh, essentially the punk version and then the acoustic version. Yeah, but then in a track earlier, they even put in some of that song as well. Probably. Well, and this song, the whole way through, is once again, they're kind of give you multiple versions of songs. Yeah. They are referencing not their, not even, not just their own music, but other people's music as well there's so many references and covers in this like and some of their songs will even just have a lyric from somebody else's song or have a riff from another song so they're like here's a like they'll write a song and then they'll like pay tribute to somebody else in the song with just a lyric or a riff here are just a list of some of the people that are either covered specifically or a line used or even just specifically mentioned okay um and i don't know a lot of like a lot of these people, uh, probably neither of us will know. Um, but, I'm sure I'll know. Uh, Joe Higgs, The Whalers, Peter Tosh, The Ziggins. Mm, the Ziggins. A uh, British ra- reggae band called Aswad. Oh, yeah. Uh, Primal Scream, Steady B, Barrington Levy, The Ghetto Boys, The Doors, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Bob Marley, Flavor Flav, Just Ice, Beastie Boys, and Jack Owens. Okay, yeah. And I, and more. So one of the cool things Sublime did is they really always tried to like pay tribute to the shit that they were into. Sure. They didn't make any attempts to hide that and they tried to their music is kind of like a weird amalgam of all the shit they're into that nobody else could do the way they do. Yeah. It it's weird stuff. <laughs> it's weird stuff. It is. And I think part of the reason I like it is and why I like this album specifically is because Sublime created their own like their own scene. I could see um, that. I one of these things I've complained about before, and I'll probably complain about again on here, is the world we live in today. Obviously, the connection of the internet and social media is awesome, but it has done one really what I think is a kind of like a cold and uncaring thing to our lives is subculture doesn't exist anymore it's tougher yeah because as soon as something is cool and people start getting onto it then it gets passed around social media and the internet and all of a sudden it's everybody now it's everywhere for everybody and part of that that is cool it's great for people who create those things Mm -hmm. so that they can get more exposure you know and make money off the things that they do that's awesome but from the perspective of a fan it kind of stinks that because if you were a Sublime fan in the early 90s, that means you probably saw them play live or you heard about somebody or somebody gave you this fucking insane tape and you're like, this is wild. Sure. And you had to learn about stuff. You had to do the work to get into something and learn about it. Oh, yeah. And so I find that kind of neat about this album is that it once again, it's for fans Mm -hmm. and it really is truly them and kind of their scene because nobody else was mixing all these genres and once again they just want to party yeah they just want to have fun that's what it was all about well there's something to be said too about not just for sublime but like if anybody finds a band that they like in the 90s i remember getting an album and thinking this album is awesome where can I find their other albums, right? Or, or the band would come out with an album and and I'd listen to it, and then I'd have we'd have to wait like two years for them to come out with more music. Mm-hmm. And now, 
it's so easy to just collect the whole discography of a band or a musician and just really, really binge that person and almost burn out on their content. And you can say that true for anything, too. It's just the thrill of discovery Mm -hmm. is not what it used to be. Yeah, and there there is also something, like, I don't think it's the right way to be, but I definitely remember in high school having a band that I like and kind of proud that I liked them and that not many people nobody else knew, knew about, about them. Yeah. yeah. That's not the right way to go and I and no, and I then, think it is there's something to be said about that. I I was a huge uh I was huge into punk music when I was sure. a teenager and even at that time we came up with like I remember in high school when like Facebook came out, when MySpace came out. Mm-hmm. And so those things were picking up, but there was still room for there was still room for subculture. Sure. Yeah. Facebook definitely wasn't what it is now. Um, and there is something romantic about that and fun about it when you and like maybe one or two other people, you kind of have your own scene. You kind of have your own thing that you're into mm-hmm. and you know nobody else knows about it. And that's okay because you love it. And yeah. it's like your special thing. Yeah. 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 And that's, t- that's kind of tough to come across now. Okay. But you were asking about multiple versions and... Uh, the song specifically pool shark yeah there's yeah. a punk version and then the acoustic version of yeah that. punk version's awful do you like the acoustic version did you like the acoustic songs actually i liked them more yes okay yeah i think that they were they were pretty solid his voice was kind of had a neat raspy tone to it yeah on those acoustic ones uh, I was trying to think of who it reminded me of. I don't know if I came to a conclusion on that. Yeah, he kind of has his own unique style. Yeah. Um, the song Pool Shark specifically, though, is kind of neat. So that whole song is about uh, his struggle with heroin addiction. Hmm. Like okay. tying on the dinosaur tonight is like talking about tying up his arm to shoot up. Um, and now I have the needle and I can shake, but I can't feel. And that song ends with the last line of that is... One day I'm going to lose the war. Why that's significant is because a couple years after he wrote that, yeah, you know, he's basically like just pre- predicting his own death. That, is that like, how he died? That this shit is going to kill me. And then, yeah, he died in a ho- hotel of an overdose. Jeez. Um, a month before his son turned one. Oh, my god! And a week after he got married to, the, to his son's mother. And what? I was reading, and I was reading about some of this today before this, and... I read like an interview with her and with the other guys from the band where they were like, nobody was surprised. It's kind of the sad thing. And they were all kind of like, it was never a matter of if it was just a matter of when that sucks. And his wife was like, you know, he could have beat it if he was willing to fight, but he wasn't a fighter. And the more the more fucked up once again that sublime their self-titled album that had what i got which became a huge hit sure santa ria wrong way their big hits he died uh like a month after they finished recording that he never got to see that album released hmm. all the success like the major national success yeah that they that the band would see they never got to enjoy because the band broke up immediately after he died after he died that yeah. kind of sucks yeah, but that song specifically is so unique and interesting because he's literally predicting his own death, and it's exactly how it came true. That's um, that's pretty dark. It is, but it makes it fascinating. It makes yeah. it very interesting. Yeah, it's definitely that makes the song a lot more interesting to me. Um, I think it's an important song, and two. Because once again, they're the party guys. They're the fun guys. That's what their music is about. And you ask anybody who went to their shows or hung out with them, they were about partying and they were always joking and laughing. And you've probably heard their him mention his Dalmatian, like in that song. Or yeah. if you hear him talk about Louie, Louie okay. was his Dalmatian. Okay. The They'd be playing. The dog would just run around on the stage while they're playing. They got kicked <laughs> off the Vans Warp Tour because they were just partying so hard and his dog kept biting people. (laughs) (laughs) His dog, like Louie dog was just running around biting people going crazy. So that was them. It was always a party. He had his fucking Dalmatian running around going crazy and they're drinking and having fun. The darker side of that though is 
it wasn't always a party. He had a serious struggle with heroin. Yeah, that's rough to see. Ended up taking him out before once again. Didn't get to see his son turn one. And he never got to see this thing that they had worked for for like 10 years. Putting this album out and that ended up getting major national success. Yeah. He never got to see any of it. The album wasn't even released when he died. That sucks. Yeah. It's, did did it's his wild. did his family at least see like proceeds probably from the album? Oh yeah, I'm assuming. Then? And actually uh his I I don't know her name off the top of my head, but his wife mm-hmm. his wife of a week when he died, you know. <laughs> his widow. Um yeah. her and Courtney Love actually started a foundation specifically for trying to take away that glamour of drugs that exists in music and to help musicians with drug addictions. So she, you know, so some good probably came from it. Sure. Yeah. Silver lining type of thing. And probably they're hopefully, hopefully the revenue like made it so that they're his wife and taking his kid. Care of, yeah. I, were I imagine care of. that song, just that one song. Right. What I got is, I mean, you Such get a, a huge. I mean, yeah. that's their num. It was a number one hit. You get a you get a number one hit. I think that you're set for life. Yeah, you know, as Especially long as you, you live, live responsibly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and, um, Don't be MC Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting. It was an interesting listen, man. Um. Ooh, here's another one. What do you What did you think? Did you spot the song with Gwen Stefani? I did. Saw yep. Red. What did you think about that? Um, it was okay. It was okay. I didn't particularly care for it, though, very much. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it was. It was interesting hearing Gwen Stefani in that genre yeah. of music because you you kind of forget, at least I kind of forget, that she was in No Doubt. Uh-huh. And then yeah, you they kind were of a forget, ska band. Yeah, you kind of forget and, that No Doubt was a ska band, and then they made more like radio-friendly type of stuff. And this was before they were anybody. Yeah. They were pro- She was probably like 18 or 19 at the time of this, and they were just a band that would play with Sublime sometimes. That's cool. It, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it was okay. It was all right. I, I don't have a huge affection for No Doubt or Gwen Stefani. Yeah, sames. But um, I don't hate it, but yeah. but it I was interesting. It. Yeah, it was interesting seeing the or hearing the cameo in there, and uh, I thought that I think that you and I had talked off screen or off off the recording about the fact that Gwen Stefani jumped in. Yeah. So when that happened, I'm like, ah, oh, yep, there she is. There's Gwen Stefani. Was she a partier in the same way that they were? Yeah, I could say. That... I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, that was. I liked that song more than probably 60% of the album. Okay. Well, and I bet you probably the songs that you enjoyed were either A, the ones that were just kind of like the instrumental Mm -hmm. type stuff, or the ones that, because four of the songs, maybe more than that, about four to six, I'm not exactly sure, were actually recorded in a studio. Okay. So like the one you said you liked the uh, greatest hits, Mm -hmm. that one's obviously recorded in a studio. Yeah. Um, I think the song Falling Idols, which that one's just the instrumental. Okay. The kind of like surf rock sure. instrumental. And that yeah. one's a cover. Yeah, I do. I actually did like Falling Idols quite a bit. And uh, All You Need, mm-hmm. which that one's the one where he's singing really fast. Yeah, I put on there too from this album Boss DJ and yeah. Pool Shark. I, I, my notes on that was this: these seem like the only songs where the singer is singing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I would say that you probably took me from going sublime. Ugh, I hate them. Yeah. To sublime, they're not for me. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of I I'll accept that because that's kind of where our what happened with me and Coheed and Cambria. Okay. Where it's like I have a I have an appreciation for it now. Sure. But not for me, right? Yeah. So I think that's the best. <clears throat> the best you can hope for with a music (laughs) recommendation yeah 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 it's it was an interesting listen to i listened to robin the hood twice through and then um i decided you couldn't take another listen (laughs) i just it's like i don't i don't know what else to take away from this it just the whole thing to me kind of 
got lumped together. Like my emotion and my feeling about the album <laughs> was was one. It the emotion that I had about this album was more cohesive. I felt than the album itself. And I didn't feel like I could say many different things or think many different things about individual tracks. Just the album as a whole gave me a very common theme or vibe. Yeah, it's kind of like an amalgam hodgepodge. Yeah, so so I'm like, it's okay. And there are instances where I go, that's pretty nice. But those instances are kind of few and far between for me. Sure. Honestly, I mean, I'll admit there are parts that are physically uncomfortable to listen to. Yeah. Like the one song that I really like uh, is Cisco Kid. Yeah. Yeah, that was and, a, so so is that a skit? Like at the beginning of that, is that a skit? No, that well that's just them playing a dub and essentially they put the words of they're playing the audio of an episode of Cisco Kid. Okay, an so old, it's an old TV an old, show? Yeah, 60s okay. like western TV show. That's what it sounded like. But, and yeah. then there are, there's like one part of that there's like a child screaming at the top of their lungs in it. <laughs> And and somebody coughing, like a guttural, like a sick cough. And it's just like, it's genuinely uncomfortable to listen to parts of that song. Yeah. Which I really, I really enjoy that song. Once it gets into music. But part of it is because it's such, it's such an odd thing that I find it interesting. I think my appreciation for it or why I like it is because it's so interesting and different than anything else. Okay. like, why would somebody make this? That's how I felt about the whole album. <laughs> That's how I felt about the yeah. whole album. Like, why, why, did, why is this together? But if you're saying that they took this and gave it to people at their shows or mm-hmm. sold it at their shows, that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. But I just didn't see anybody making this and then putting this on a tape or on a record or a CD and going this is going to sell like, <laughs> yeah, it was never intended. They knew they weren't selling it yeah. to anyone other than people who already liked. Yeah. Them. And that's, that's kind of how it felt like when I would, again, back to being in high school, when I would make music with friends, I knew that really nobody's going to listen to this. We're just experimenting and we're having fun making music, but it's not intended to be listened to. You know, like I might go back and listen to it a couple times but that doesn't mean that I'm going to give it to my fr- to like my other friends and say, hey, listen to this awesome thing I made. I'm not going to do that. It's shit. Yeah. Right? But they did that. That's what this is. Yeah, yeah. that's what this is. It really is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was just – I just didn't know who it was for. Uh, again, I have no idea about like the culture of Sublime, the you know their audience. I know nothing about yeah. them. So, so I'm just listening to it purely on – What's this album with no context? And with that, I'm like, I don't really get what's going on here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, that was kind of, I kind of felt like you may feel that way. Yeah. But yeah. But I mean, with that being said, there were highlights, you know, there were parts where like, I've been going back and forth to Home Depot to get some stuff for our daughter's birthday coming up. Mm -hmm. And so when that when I'm in the car and Ashley's not with me, I go, okay, I got it. <laughs> when Ashley's I, not with you, good oh, call. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, and I sit in my car and I wait a couple seconds and then I can look at my phone. I'm like, I got to listen to Sublime. I got to do it. <laughs> and I'll hit play. And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, driving down the road listening to Sublime. But again, when when my mind wasn't focusing on the music, in the background... I would find things like, okay, this is good noise to have in my surrounding while I am attending to other things. So I would keep the headphones in when I went into Home Depot and while I'm looking for different parts uh, and, you know, whatever I need in the store, I just kept it in. Probably made my experience in Home Depot more enjoyable. I'd pro if I wasn't listening to Sublime, I'd probably be listening to something else that I liked more. But at the same time, it was nice to have in the background. And there were parts like the chill instrumental stuff. I really found myself enjoying. Yeah. One of the things they are great at is the bass and drums. Like they can just jam. Yeah. Like their bass player is those bass lines he puts down. He can groove. I think that's one of the one of their real strengths to their music. I think it's perfect for exactly that reason. Yeah. Sublime is a great music, I think, 
to put on in the background because they can just kind of jam. Like when they start, they like to do a lot of like off the wall, like tempo changes and change the style of their music in the middle of a song. They'll Mm -hmm. go from like, it's a chill kind of reggae type jam to now it's a hardcore punk song. Yeah. Like in the same song, like with very little, (laughs) very little pretext, which if you're a fan, that's one of the reasons you, you like it. You like that all over the place, but for just listening, yeah, it's not great. Sure. But when they are just kind of like jamming those funky grooves, yeah, you can get lost in it. It is really, really mellow. And I think that's a perfect uh, example of just walking around listening to them. Yeah. I can see that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was an interesting listen. I, I don't, I, I might listen to the instrumental stuff in the background again. Like if, if I were the type of person to make playlists and listen to playlists, and I wanted to make a playlist of stuff to listen in the background, I could put that on there. Yeah, I think the instrumentals really shine in this album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it opens on an instrumental, actually. I don't remember, um, to be honest. And then Lincoln Highway Dub is not far after that. But yeah, there's a couple that are... I, I think the instrumentals, I agree. I think they really they really shine. They're probably the most cohesive, yeah. <laughs> the most cohesive part of the album uh yeah is there a nice reprieve sometimes the interesting thing about this album i think is that it almost takes part in like like the raleigh soliloquies Mm -hmm. they kind of break the album up into like into like different sections And, and i feel like the instrumental pieces usually come like at the beginning of the a section so it'll kind of start off with like an instrumental and then you'll get start getting like uh, some heavier stuff, some heavier stuff, and it'll just, you know, some of the wild, just a dub with somebody talking, right? Yeah. And then it'll kind of break, and you'll get a Raleigh soliloquy, and then you'll get an acoustic song, and then a punk song. And so it's, it's interesting the way the album is broken up, that it's almost like three different three little... parts. It almost tells like a story in a weird way. I don't know. It's all about Raleigh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's de- but it's definitely challenging is the word I would use. So I don't know if it was the right one to recommend to change your opinion on sublime, but it was an experience. I felt like it was yeah for this show. It's the correct one to talk about. Yeah. It was definitely an experience. I, I, and I'm glad that that honestly, I'm glad that that was the one. Cause if it would have just been other music, I guess from their other albums, I don't think I'd go. That's. I don't think we'd have much to talk about. Honestly. Yeah, you, for that exact reason. Though. Yeah, like it's it's okay. It's not really for me. But this one is unlike. Yeah, it's def. It's I have never unlike heard an anything album. else. I've never heard an album like it. <laughs> yeah, for no, and, sure. Yeah, well, and why would you have? It's <laughs> a good no, question. Nobody <laughs> else could. Nobody else could make this the yeah. way they made it. It's. Oh my! Uh, holds a special place in my heart for that reason. Well, that's good. I don't know if it's good. But I know I, that I like it. <laughs> I would say probably not. Yeah, no, obje- actually, <laughs> I can say objectively, objectively, it's not good. If you're not like, what's that pitchfork person say? Let me let me read this again. Uh, it's so haphazard and caustic that only the most devoted fan could tolerate any significant time with it. It was recorded in a crack house, and it sounds like it. Uh, so. <laughs> on on that note how do we rate this thing Ooh, okay let's go one out of ten schizophrenic soliloquies oh <laughs> uh, that seems like it's in conflict of the band i because i would enjoy more schizophrenic soliloquies um I'm going to give it a... What did I rate the holiday special? I think I gave that two. This was not as bad as that. Um, <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a four. Because there were things that I liked about it. Even though, as a whole, I don't think that I could say I liked it. Well, I think that that right there is enough saying there are things I like about it. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah yeah they're there you don't say that about things that you really enjoy there are things i like <laughs> like that that's, that's that says it all kind of like okay yeah <laughs> it's like oh, picking diamonds out of a turd 
Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, again, it gives us this conversation. I've I've enjoyed discussing it. Um, Do you think that uh, Jade's are opinions on rating sometime? What? It's like, if if we enjoyed talking about it. Um, Or maybe, you know, I found it interesting, like, when we did Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. I went into it, like, with a much lower score. And then once we actually talked about it. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't even... These other things that now make me think more about it, it yeah. literally, in the course of our conversation, well, it kind of changed my opinion. It gave me a higher opinion of it sure. just by talking about it. Yeah, I think, I don't know if jaded is the is the right way to go, but I mean, we're, we're coming into these things with no context, right? So, yeah. so we're coming in, and, and by the time we're done talking about it, we have got more information on the subject. So in in my opinion, for me, in this case, I've got more of a rounded base of knowledge about mm-hmm. what they were doing right like without any of that it, <laughs> yeah, if somebody just put this album on at a party yeah and we you never talked about you had one listen yeah. what would you say i would be like what is this <laughs> what are we listening to who is this man and why is the same song played three times <laughs> so i mean i i do think that after this conversation four is higher than what I expected to give it going in. Okay. Ultimately. So so there is something to be said about that with us having a conversation about it. But, um, and maybe we're talking and rating it higher because when we're talking about it, like if you're recommending it or if I'm recommending it, clearly one of us likes it yeah. to some degree, right? So, so we're going to talk about it in a higher opinion. But I think we're just have a, a more rounded you know, knowledge base on, on what yeah. it is. It gives us more context to rate on. Yeah, maybe the world should start listening to this show. Maybe have a nuanced conversation with somebody before you make your opinions and go on Twitter and start blasting people who think differently than you. Wouldn't wouldn't that yeah. be well, profound? Maybe we save the world, Micah. Maybe, I think maybe we save the world doing this. We we have needed a mission statement. <laughs> <laughs> Our mission statement now is to save the world. That's it. You yeah. you heard it here, folks. We've Small just potatoes. Yeah. Knock that out in an afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay. So four soliloquies. Four out of ten. schizophrenic soliloquies. Honestly? Yeah. Higher than I thought you'd give it. Yeah, I honestly I was expecting a two or a three. I was because I knew three. you gave I knew you gave that Star Wars the Star Wars holiday special at two, mm-hmm. which I still think is much too high. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, if he gave Star Wars a holiday special, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I genuinely thought about yeah. that was, that was my exact thought. I was kind of trying to gauge where you'd end at. Yeah. And I was like, if he gave that a two and he rates sublime lower than that, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I was thinking like three initially coming into it. So I think that's fair. Yeah, you got another point out of me. <laughs> I think that pitchfork hit the nail oh, on man. the head it's, so it's hard. So apt. It's yeah. 100%. And once again, and I try to have a unbiased opinion on these things because I understand that what I I'm into weird shit sometimes. So yeah. like I understand that what I like, like a lot of times other people are gonna be like, I don't like that. I do. <laughs> so yeah, I I love that because I'm like that's such a perfect. Sure. Such a perfect description of the album. Yes, 100%. <laughs> like, if you're not a fan, it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are we getting into next week, though? Oh, man. You uh, are in for a treat, I feel. Because you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I just have a hunch. I have a hunch that Thor Jolly has not played very many dating simulator games. <laughs> I haven't. Okay, cool. We're gonna. Um, and this is this is a first time for us because I want you to play the game Doki Doki Literature Club. And <laughs> yep, okay. that's the name of it. So it is a dating simulator where you are a new kid uh, in school, and in I guess in Japanese schools they really push clubs. On the students to get involved in things after school okay so this is a very anime themed type of dating simulator 
And so it's all from per first person view and you are joining the literature club of this high school and you're a new student. And when you join, there are only a couple of girls that are in the club and you're the only guy. So nice. Ultimately, I'm in. yeah, I'm ultimately, on board. through literature, all right, you're going to win the heart of one of these girls. Oh, nice. <laughs> this sounds insane. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, so um I actually want us to experience this together because I feel like I feel like it's best experienced with a group. So, we're going to get Zach McCrary from the comics that we love. He's going to join us on the episode that we discuss it, but the three of us and I think another friend is going to jump into and we're going to play Doki Doki Literature Club. So we're going to have to come over. We're going to beat the whole thing in one night. Okay. It's going to take about eight or nine hours. And um, this is a game. I'm a pretty smooth talker. I'll, I'll try and knock it out in try six. Try and knock it out? Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so, so this is a game that is free on Steam. You can download it 100% for free. They're like, nobody wants it. We can't <laughs> give it away. So <laughs> Make so, it free. Yeah. So we're going to play that. Um, and I'm, I'm really, really curious about your thoughts on this one. It's going to be an interesting one. So if people have, who are listening to this podcast know anything about Doki Doki Literature Club, um, then you guys know that we're in for a ride. It's such a sweet game. It's such a sweet, sweet game. And that's all Thor's got. All right. He's going in blind. Not getting any more information. <laughs> I'm so excited. It sounds so wild. I've never even heard of a dating simulator. Honestly. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know such a thing existed. They made one for Kentucky Fried Chicken. They you, made like an, you play like the Colonel. Yeah, you play an to, anime version of the Colonel. Trying to <laughs> find your chicken queen. <laughs> I don't know, man. That sounds pretty cool. That one I have not played. I have not played many dating. I've played one dating simulator. Okay, if you said any more than one, I'm assuming this is the one you've this played. This is the one. If you said any more yeah. than one, I was going to end the podcast immediately and be like, he's a psychopath. I don't think we can be friends anymore. <laughs> uh, folks, next week we're going to get into Doki Doki Literature Club. Um, what are your thoughts on our thoughts on Sublime? Uh, are you more in my camp? Did you guys listen to it? You guys should listen to that album for half of the album and then you will probably have a good idea of what the rest of the album sounds like and and also and if you do listen and you're like your interest is peaked in any way i'll leave a link for the extra credit list i gave to micah that i think maybe even just listen to that and don't go listen to robin the hood <laughs> or if you listen around and you're like i hate this like a couple songs in which is pretty likely go listen to the extra credit list uh definitely think, more refined yeah i think if you're somebody who's only ever heard the popular Sublime songs, it'll change your opinion at the very least of them yes. and what they're capable of. In any case, yeah, head on over, listen to that stuff. Let us know what you think. Uh, you can hit us up on Instagram, on Facebook at Get Wrecked Podcast, or contact us directly via email, getwreckedpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. That's right. Um, so that's it for this week. Um, tune in next week for Doki Doki Literature. Oh gosh! All right, it's gonna be a blast. It's uh, it's gonna get weird. I feel like. Well, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, until next time. As always, you get wrecked out there, folks. Stay wrecked. Good night, everybody.